Hey girlies, welcome to Crisis Twink, the podcast where we ring the alarm about cultural emergencies. Whether it's a flop album, an insane headline, a problematic fave, or just something that needs to be urgently discussed or you'll die, we're going to revive it and make sure it gets the medical assistance it so desperately needs. My name is Drew Haskins, and I am the only twink who can save a culture in crisis. It's 2023, the first episode of 2023, and joining me today is an extra special guest, Ianitsasaurus. Hi. 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 I'm so happy to be here. I'm really excited. <laughs> I know. Truly, what a treat to have you. This feels like a real meeting of the minds today. God, I hope so. We can only hope. We can only hope. I mean, what is 2023 about, if not hope, renewal, abundance? <laughs> Are you right. like I someone? Mean... Oh, no, go on. I feel like we've been saying that for the last few years, but uh, maybe this time around, uh, there'll be some truth to it. We're recording this on January 3rd. So like, I I do feel like the past three days have been somewhat dire in terms of like, at least from like an American perspective, like things have not been great the past three days here, but like there is still time for things to improve. We're getting an Ava Max album next week. That's at the very oh, least something soon. to look forward to. Yeah, I think I think it's the, the one thing. that came out like six months ago unofficially. You know, these pop girlies cannot keep their hard drives secure. Like, yeah. I think we need to be promoting more tech literacy in our pop stars because it's really not a good situation. No, it's not. I, you know, I really like her last album I thought it was like quite catchy lots yeah. of good hooks I like would put it on all the time just like working or like running and I never really thought of myself as like consciously an Ava Max fan but I think I am and I think I'm really excited for it I uh but I didn't go out of my way to listen to it yet so that's something to look forward to I suppose I think that's how a lot of people get into Ava Max in the first place like I I remember just hearing Sweet But Psycho out and about the first time, did not think too much of it. But then over time, I was like, oh, this is so good. Yeah. And then slowly, everything else was just kind of like a low key bop that like you would never be like mad at it if it came on. 100%. I remember, yeah, Sweet But Psycho was also my entry point. And I started off listening to that album being like, I don't really get it. There's just like this song I like and maybe like one other. And I don't know, just for some reason, something kept drawing me back to it. And I kept putting it on and all of a sudden I knew the like hooks to every single one of the songs. And I just could like sing along the whole album. I was like, wow, like, you know, <laughs> this is great. <laughs> I, I mean, good for her. Wishing her all the best. Uh, I've heard the album's good. I haven't really kept up with the singles, but um, yeah, They've I'm interested all been- to hear really solid like uh-huh. nothing she does is ever gonna be well that's not true I think like she has one absolutely stone cold classic pop song and that is my head my heart oh yeah so good and everything else is just like quietly very competent and catchy and like she released a teaser on TikTok for a bunch of the album tracks and they all sounded really good like the kind of like kind of mid-tier dance music that was like 
everywhere in the early 2010s, but is nowhere now. So it feels really refreshing to actually have that again. Sure. There's also just something, and I don't mean this is like a roundabout diss or anything, but there's something just like so fundamentally like uncool about her or like oh, maybe yeah. like earnest or something. And I don't know. It's like endearing. It's like fun. I don't know. I like her. I'm into it. I'm looking forward to it. I really like her too. Like you have also really hit the nail on the head that like there's she is corny in that like she is just inherently a little gimmicky. Like the haircut, which yeah. I think she's disavowed, but like that was such a crazy thing to do as like a novice pop star with like a little to no branding to speak of. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> a really boiled choice, but like it's I love it when pop stars get a little corny like one of my mm -hmm. favorite under the radar pop groups right now is this british girl group called cute bad which is okay a mm. terrible name to begin with but i've never heard of that. they're from the same like production team that are you familiar with like girls allowed and sugar babes uh vaguely i know those names i don't think i could tell you anything about them. yeah they're like they're huge in britain but they were not ever big over here so they just um they just never kind of happen and if you want to hear more about that go back and listen to the episode i did a few months ago with tom aspal but cute bad is like this new girl group and their gimmick is that half of them are cute and half of them are bad <laughs> i don't know what that means oh. in practice interesting but i don't I know like if i'd it. rather be i think um, i'd rather be cute okay i kind of yeah. i think i want to be bad but i think i'm destined to be cute probably <laughs> <laughs> now, like on every podcast one of the one of the hosts has to be cute and one of them has to be bad like that is the dichotomy okay. but like the Good. music is like very like it's like k-pop in english which is kind of a vibe I enjoy a little bit. Nice. I was, I noted that the, like, the title is definitely kind of like trying to affect that. I feel like cute yeah. bad or bad cute. What's it called? Cute bad. Cute bad. Okay. Got it. I, I think bad cute is a better name actually. So yeah. <laughs> maybe submit that as a note. My <laughs> other, my other favorite thing about them is they just debuted in February and have already, they lost a member, replaced her. And then they lost another member. Damn. Uh, the uh, the cute months. bad scale, has that kind of uh, gone out of whack since? Uh, or So I, you know, when I said half earlier, I, I misspoke. They started with five, went down to four, went back okay. up to five, and now we're at four again. So like the ratio is actually perfect. Maybe they shouldn't uh, add anyone at all. You got to keep that equi uh, equilibrium going. Because if it's like, if there's one girl in the middle of the cute bad Venn diagram and she is cute bad personified, I feel like that creates a complex, like like a, sure. a Nicole Scherzinger-esque complex in which one of them thinks they're better than the other. Right. But maybe that's exactly what they need to kind of like anchor the entire uh, group. But it's um, also so destabilizing too. Like, did you see that clip that's been going around Twitter of um that beyond the Destiny's Child performance? of say my name oh. Beyonce. It just <laughs> yeah. keeps saying like say Beyonce. Say Beyonce. Yeah, that was it, pretty funny. <laughs> and you'll notice that that's with like one of their older lineups, like pre the mm -hmm. Kelly Michelle one. Like I, I just think it's 
it's bad behavior <laughs> it's not considerate like right yeah um, but i mean if any group was going to uh be taken over by some kind of uh you know loud person saying say beyonce i'm glad it's uh i mean who else could it be but destiny's child oh it couldn't be anyone i mean if, <laughs> like if us and another person were in a group and one of us started saying say beyonce that would just be odd because none of us very weird say it would right. be just <laughs> completely or even, or even say yanny i just don't think i don't think i could pull it <laughs> off i don't think i'm like there quite yet that i could like say that but uh, no yeah she she's i mean even at that point i think she had the, she had the uh she had the credentials to say beyonce with confidence but uh she definitely anyway. did she definitely <laughs> did i like that per- i couldn't tell where they were in that performance either it looked like they were on like the i don't remember what the actual show was on nickelodeon but like the aggro crag do you know what okay. i'm talking about i don't it was like some game show it it does it did look like some kind of like kid set, but yeah. I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't think <laughs> that. Uh, well, I think we need to move on to our first segment. So Great. we are going to play Ring the Alarm. I am going to present you, Annie, with three cultural scenarios from recent and or ancient history, and you are going to decide whether or not to ring the alarm. Okay. No wrong answers here, but your choice is binary. Are you ringing the alarm? or not okay i'm ready okay first off to me the biggest news story of 2023 uh jeremy renner is gruesomely injured in a snowplow accident are you ringing the alarm <laughs> um i don't want to sound insensitive but not really because it's not something of a lot of interest to me but i hope he gets better what is a snowplow accident? I saw the headlines, and again, I'm not trying to sound insensitive, but I just how does one injure themselves so horribly with a snowplow that they like? I mean, it was quite serious, right? Yeah, it's it's really serious. Um, he was in critical care. He's like mangled in some way. He just posted, oh my god, a crazy photo of him in a oh, hospital no. bed being like i'm doing okay don't worry about old jeremy but and okay. he's in like glasses but underneath the glasses his face is like chewed up oh the my reason God. this is i'm fascinated by this because i think i think there's something unspeakably dark going on here i don't think we're we have the full story right jeremy renner has kind of always been one of those like it seems like he just like in a completely different like cultural milieu is just somebody so different than he is to probably like, well, certainly me, I don't know about you, but like, it just like, I mean, he had to hit his own app dedicated to himself, right? Yeah. Like, I don't even yeah. really know who he was. He was in a Marvel movie or something. He's uh, he Marvel. Was... He did like the Hurt Locker. Okay. Like, yeah. That's about it. Okay. Why? Like, what about him has inspired such like you know devout fans like I just don't I mean I hope he gets better from the snowplow thing but I just this is just like an aside I don't know <laughs> I yeah. barely know who he is I don't know what's going on there and uh I don't know that's that's the snowplow thing though wow like, horrible so I was reading TMZ as I sometimes do and they said it was a one-man snowplow accident 
I don't, but mm. it, like he somehow got run over. So like, oh, hmm, I'm trying to draw a, a diagram for the listeners here. He's off the snowplow, and somehow okay. the snowplow starts on its own and runs him over. Okay, like maybe he got out of the seat or something to go. Was he operating it, or it was an independent? Snow it's un- it's unclear. No one okay. was operating the snowplow at the time of the accident. Oh, hmm. So really allegedly, bizarre. I mean, it could be a paranormal incident <laughs> of some sort. It could be an act of God. An act of it could be an act of divine retribution, <laughs> or it could be um. Or some rando who's just like, let me hit this weird guy. Um, Right. It's also like, this happened in Reno, Nevada, which for international listeners who may not know where Reno is, it is like a very odd little city in the middle of Nevada that is like a famous like mob Reno 911. Yeah, Reno 911. Yeah, okay. So that's (laughs) like the language language for everyone. But like, this is a a weird place to live full time. Especially, it makes sense for Jeremy Renner because he is sort of like, he has kind of like a, an inland empire vibe to him. So this makes sense to me. But like, it's all, it is, this, there's some, I, I, I think we're going to hear something about this story that shakes people to their very foundation agree don't have enough information yet at this time um i'm trying to learn what like there's okay this is me just probably being like an ignorant canadian but there's snow in nevada isn't it like a desert so also yeah this is like okay so reno's on on or near i don't remember exactly it's like near lake tahoe so okay. it is in the middle of like the Sierra Nevada mountains and it is like a ski there is skiing in and around Reno but it's still weird like if you were gonna live in that area especially if you're a Hollywood big shot you would live in like Tahoe so right. I'm not sure it's, why he's in Nevada it seems crazy to me that even like if it gets snow that there would be enough that somebody would like need a snow plow like to me, it yeah. seems a little bit excessive from a like technological standpoint, but I don't know enough about don't know enough about uh, Reno to say it with certainty. Yeah, or like if he stumbled out into the road in front of like an errant snowplow, because this happened on a highway too. That's the other important. Okay. Like, I don't know. Interesting. Don't know. You're right. A lot of questions. It's getting fishier the more you tell me about it. Um, I don't know. Well, hmm. I mean, I already answered, but I mean, I think it's say. okay to monitor the situation because I do okay. feel like we're having a few more twists uh, and turns. That's true. In the future, perhaps if you were to ask me to ring the alarm <laughs> right now, I'm only, I'm not trying to, uh, you know, monetize a horrible event that happened to the beloved Jeremy. So I'm, don't, I'm not going to draw more attention to it than he's already getting. I'm not going to ring the alarm. Well, I might monetize it, so stay tuned for more, okay. <laughs> more right, updates good. in a future episode. As is um, right. Speaking of oh, queens of winter weather, what a horrible segue. Um, Whitney Rose and Julia Fox are going on Watch What, Watch what Happens Live together this week. Oh my god. Uh, I think we're going to have to ring the alarm. Uh, I, though, 
That's an amazing combination. Do you think that's like some kind of like roundabout way? Do you think they're just teasing us about Julia Fox's involvement in the new Roni? Or oh. is it kind of like a winking sort of like thing to the fans, but she's not going to be involved? Like what's going on there? I could definitely see her doing a friend of role because they need... Right. They need to I, come up with something quick. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I really would like this reboot to be good. I really would. But I have my doubts. Like, Yeah. I'm actually re-watching. I'm, there's one season of Roni left that I haven't seen, and I'm almost done it. It's season six. I'm watching it now. And I just, <laughs> like, keep going and re-watch from there because it's just, like, oh, man. Like, I like a lot of the other franchises love even i would say but just something about roni makes me it's just so funny it's just like truly was like lightning in a bottle in its best era i'm so skeptical of this like new rebranding of it i don't know yeah especially because all these women seem so like i mean it's so it's such old hat to compare about complain about like how social media kind of ruined reality tv in a lot of ways but like these women, the new women seem way too like plugged in and online to really give us like the unfilteredness that we so desperately need for shows like these to work. Like old Roni is perfection because they're like, they're just these personalities completely untainted by the outside world. Like their bubble has made them crazy and it's, it's perfect TV. Perfect. Exactly. And like, I kind of thought that like, you know, implicit in the premise of Roni always was that like, you know, yes, like everyone watching it understands that like, these are, this is not the real New York. This only like represents a completely like you say, like bubbles of these people like stuck in some like decade long gong that are just, and it's just like perfect. I don't know. Um, Anyways, back to the question. Whitney Rose, I don't know about her. Uh, I think I saw there was some kind of tweet today or something about this that like it's some kind of like great um, like anthropological sort of like hour of television because Julia Fox and Whitney Rose have these like really distinct ways of speaking that are like completely idiosyncratic to both of them. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I don't know. It's really unbelievable the way Whitney Rose talks. Like, I <laughs> I think I said a few weeks ago on this podcast that she's, like, gone full Austro-Hungarian with her vocal stylings. But, like, yeah. it's gotten worse and worse every week. Like, What did she say recently that it was something like a six-foot-wide gel cell or something? Oh, a, g- a gel cell. <laughs> a gel <laughs> cell, crazy. yeah. Like, I... So what do you think about Salt Lake City in general? I, you know, I don't know if I hate the new season as much as everyone else, but I do think they're in trouble. I do think without Jen, it's going to be hard to continue. It kind of makes me a little sad to see all these, like, I don't know. Like, I mean, I guess it's all, like, figures constructed or or whatever, but it does make me sad that, like, the season is all about these, like, people who were such good friends at the start of the show that have now kind of like devolved into like I don't know coming at to like an impasse that they can't seem to like resolve for like instance Meredith and Lisa as well as Whitney and uh, um, Heather and Jen and everyone I guess Mm -hmm. Um, 
I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I would probably watch one more season after Jen. Just to, I like, finally, correct me if I'm wrong, this might be the first Greek-American representation we've ever seen on a Housewives show with Angie Kay. Okay, uh, yes. I think she's fantastic and insane. She's incredible. <laughs> but, and I got uh, two of my very good friends um, who cannot be named on this podcast are very deep in the Salt Lake City Greek scene. And they are apparently testing a lot of people right now from that community because Angie K has been such a smashing success to come on and uh, film for. Interesting. Um, if a next season is greenlit. So, I wouldn't have guessed that a lot of Greeks would be in Salt Lake. Like, it's a so is it a sober town or it like some parts of it maybe i think it's like a it's like after 10 o'clock it's sober oh, or something like that but like there i mean it is like a party town though and like a okay. lot of people um don't actually live in salt lake proper like i think like someone can correct me if i'm wrong but like i'm pretty sure meredith and seth live in um park city still okay it, not, that's somewhere in utah yeah it's like i think an hour outside of salt lake city but i don't know that i don't know that part of the country very well i do agree with you that like the removal of jen shaw is going to create a void that is like impossible to fill but i also mm-hmm. don't really enjoy watching jen shaw i agree kind of i don't know if she's actually well so like i kind of find her a little enduring at this point because like Everyone who I started off hating on Housewives, I've kind of been lured into this Stockholm situation, mm-hmm. Stockholm Syndrome situation, where I'm like, kind of enjoy them because it's like, you know, I've spent so much time with them now that I just find them like endearing. But I agree, sometimes when she freaks out, it's just like a little too much for T. She's very clearly an evil person. Um, I But I still kind of feel like with, out her I, I struggle to think of like the passport for the show where there's some kind of like interesting sort of like central conflict for it uh, yeah maybe i'll be wrong i don't know i think it's a well-cast show and i think everyone on it is like interesting enough um i wouldn't say anyone from the like main cast is too much of a flop i mean it's good that they're all still going three years in yeah but I, I don't know if there's a for uh, future uh, without Jen Shaw. I think I, what what I would like to see mm-hmm. is I think there is a way to build this show around like Whitney and Heather being like the two sort of like clashing titans almost going forward. Right. And Lisa as sort of like, like Lisa Barlow, I love Lisa Barlow. Like she's the only housewife on that show that I actually love and think is a star, but she's not like a central narrative star. She she works in the same way that like Sonia works. Like a commenter on the action who is like very funny and just like sprinkles stuff in. Like that is right. Lisa Barlow's role. So just keep her where she is. I would like to see Meredith leave. Because okay. Meredith gives me nothing. And I think bring in the two Angies and maybe either Dana, because I heard the rest of her season is supposed to be, she brings it. Interesting. Or bring in some new woman. Maybe Angie, K, one of Angie K's friends. 
Right. Angie K I like. Angie H is that the short blonde one? Yeah, she she's so she crazy. seems like she wants it too much. I don't know if I want her. Like not to deprive somebody of something that they want, but I think she just wants to to me, she like just too transparently is dying to get on the show. Yeah. And I don't know. That's I'm not sure fair. if I I'm not sure if I like her. I like Meredith though. I will go back to that and say I think she's like quite fab. I think it's she really funny that she's like totally annex the entire time she's shooting this show um she's just like i don't know but i mean i do agree maybe that like she kind of seems like she doesn't want to be there often or just like she kind of takes things maybe a little too personally and seems to kind of like opt out of any sort of situation that kind of like challenges her or involves yeah. her in any sort of way she disengages to use she her, just, yes, right. <laughs> her big word to use yeah her, uh, parlance, she does disengage and i think she's so inconsistent <laughs> about her friendships too like it's kind of hard to know where she is at any given time and i just don't i don't know i don't really like a housewife without a center if that makes sense like i kind of okay. had that issue with heather the past two seasons too and i am i am a heather hater um and i'm finding her like she's kind of almost the villain of the season besides jen right. in many ways but like i like her as a character on the show way more now because like we're actually seeing her be vulnerable but also like not this like self-styled fan favorite as much like I kind of sure. like that for her I yeah Heather is it kind of interesting she definitely is kind of like operating I think a bit like an anchor for the show mm-hmm. I think she's an important part of the show at least in the sense that like she brings so much about like the actual like Mormon faith which obviously is kind of like an essential part if you're going to mm-hmm. be like doing this kind of like documentarian show about Salt Lake City and how like it's changed in the 21st century. I think her involvement is important for that reason, but do I like her as a person? I don't know. Are her storylines interesting? I don't know. Um, I agree. There is something, there is a weird sort of like, I don't know like how to describe it, but people really like are drawn to her in a way that is like, a little mysterious to me it is yeah and i like a lot of my favorite housewives are sort of the relatable normal ones like carol is one of my all-time favorites love carol will yeah and she's like i mean she got into it but she's also like a sane human being and i do think like heather is a sane human being but heather is not necessarily like i don't know it's just not she's not like there's nothing cool about Heather, and I don't want to be mean Absolutely when I say that. Like, <laughs> there's yeah, she is like a girl you know, but she's not like, oh, that girl I know, you know. Right. What's mm. the deal with her black eye? Do you think we're gonna figure out anything about that, or you think that it's just going to we're just gonna dance around it for so long? Jen so, gave it to her, right? Like, what else could it be? So I am going to borrow from another podcast here. Um, friend of the pod, Carrie O'Donnell, recently posited on Sex Unique podcast that it was a Botox incident. Like, she had an adverse reaction to some Botox that she got 
prior to the trip at Beauty Lab and Laser. And she doesn't want to say, oh, this is a Botox thing that I got from my own business because that is going to speak ill of her own business. So oh, that's why she's not saying anything. And that really makes sense to me. Okay, that makes sense to me too. But what were we ever given an answer for who showed up at her in her room at like 5 a.m.? I think Jen did because Jen is just like a blackout Godzilla monster at this point. Right, right, right. Okay, got it. Did they, is that, but did they confirm that or are we just like inferring that? We're, we're just inferring it because like Heather, I mean, Heather is being so infuriating with this. Like we, you know, when we saw the trailer, we should have known that like nothing was going to come of this black eye storyline. I'm sure we're not going to get an answer to it at the reunion. If it was Jen or Whitney or even if she had fallen down, I think we would have known about it. Like we would have heard about right. it. Right. I mean, I guess if it was Jen, maybe she was like hiding it because she doesn't want it to affect her like sentencing in some way. <sighs> but She's so uh, codependent with Jen. It's like... <laughs> yeah, it's a little weird. I want... I want more for Heather because like she is sane and lucid and she can be quite funny, but like there's just this deep well of sadness around her that like really prevents you from fully like getting there with her. Like I'm watching, I just watched an old season of Orange County in like three days, season four, which is, and had Gina Kehoe on it. And Gina Kehoe and Heather are very similar people to me in that like, they are very grounded women who are very sure of themselves in many ways, but have like this root. I don't know if trauma is the word I want to say, but they have this like root sadness that like just permeates every single thing they do and like affects how they interact with other people or louder people, especially in both of their cases. And like Heather and Jen is just such a toxic combo to me. It like makes me not enjoy Heather. That's yeah i think that's right. really what it is right right right. yeah i haven't ever seen oc but definitely that's true mm-hmm. of heather and jen i mean that's kind of i think uh like you know pretty good evidence towards it being jen being the puncher but i guess only time will tell apparently because there's someone pointed out i think in the trailer for the next girl's trip which heather is on heather and whitney she's still on it yes and she's still talking about the black like one of the girls is like kind of like interrogating her black eye and she still was refusing to answer, which I guess can only mean that we're not getting an answer for no, it on this season of so Salt Lake City. <laughs> yeah. God, she's so annoying. I I truly cannot recommend OC enough, by the way. Like it's okay. There are if season four to eleven are like hits. And if, if you're looking that. for a rewatch soon, it's probably I, yeah, I mean maybe I loved Tamara and Vicky on the most recent girls trip. I was not familiar with them aside from just like memes sort of thing. This show is just so huge and unwieldy. I'm like kind of intimidated about where to start, but somebody told me seven is a good place. Yeah. I recently asked this question on Twitter too. And I was told to either start at four or seven. And I chose four just because I like, I want, I kind of, I really like recession era housewives like right. season two of Jersey is my all-time favorite housewife season and 
this is like peak recession era. <laughs> I'm not like fetishizing their economic troubles. I want to be very clear about that. But like, sure. I really find the show super fascinating as like a struggle, like a document of like class struggle and like putting on right. airs and stuff. And like a lot of like the early tensions of like all the franchises, New York especially too, was like, New York definitely people like showing their wealth or showing their status in ways that like rub the other women the wrong way. And I yes. love I live for drama like that. Hundred percent agreed. That definitely is yeah the ethos of early uh, early New York. Yeah. Oh God, I might need. I'm New York might be my next rewatch after this. Like. I was really it, finding myself missing Alex McCord the other day. Which... <laughs> She's truly a once-in-a-lifetime person. Yeah. Uh, her and her husband, it's just, again, like lightning in a bottle. Uh, they're perfect couple. What what more can I say? And they, like, managed to get out of the machine, which is yeah. really impressive. Like, those two were so crazy on TV, and Simon especially, and somehow they've, like, I mean, it took them moving all the way to Australia, but like they've carved out very successful, like normal lives for themselves. That's right. Not easy to do. But my understanding was that it wasn't entirely of their own choosing. Like they were fired or she was fired, I guess, more specifically. Yeah. And then for years, didn't Simon like run a blog for like years after kind of just like, I don't know, like chastising and or like whatever else happened on the show and it was like kind of this Ooh. sort of like sour grapes sort of thing i, I actually didn't know this, that in a way but... that's bad i that totally makes sense to me like yeah when um so angie h's husband chris Harry, who made the shaw exposed blog was right, giving yeah. me simon energy like <laughs> <laughs> sure and that he's, that all tracks to me, yeah. Right, he's uh, he's can't stay out of women's business. Uh, to yeah. use Bravo parlance, uh, but I guess neither a, can we. No, um, that's true. But we're not on TV. We're, we're not all, on TV. We're just on your podcast. Just two uh, gay guys. Just talking. place to be, but. Uh, <laughs> Crazily enough, we actually have one more topic that I forgot we haven't gotten to yet. Um, the Megan promo cycle are you ringing the alarm oh i'm ringing the alarm so hard oh. something i think really insidious is going on here yeah and it's like different it's, for some reason to me it just feels so much worse than just like normal like brands pandering to a certain kind of market it's just like the kind of like like she's just like getting interviewed by pop crave today quoting yeah. Beyonce lyrics and it's like who decided upon this strategy does it appeal to anyone outside of our very small like Twitter ecosystem um like does the character even talk like that in the movie because my understanding is that the social media account is supposed to be an extension of the character yeah like what is going on it's really it would be so funny though in the movie if she talked like an awful gay guy. I, right. I would love that. Like, Listen, she does that. If I go and see the movie and she does that, then quite frankly, I will unring the alarm. I will yeah. let her be. I'll take back every horrible thing. It's just, I don't know. <laughs> if she like, it's just like turn, so sad to me. 
she Sorry, turns to Allison Williams and she's like, it's crickets for you, hunty. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like I would live. No, I'm sorry. I'm going, please come oh, on. I was just yeah. going to say that it's like, so it's just like so strange to me. Like, I can't imagine seeing something like that, which already seems like so outdated or like a few years old at this point. Yeah. I'm just like feeling like it's like an exciting sort of like, I don't know, like thinking it's funny or feeling some kind of identification with it. It's just like so strange to me. But nevertheless, if you look on the quote tweets on those things, there is a lot of enthusiasm about the oh, sassy, yeah. pl- like, oh, please way that she talks. Um, so <laughs> I don't know what's you. going on. Like, <laughs> it's it's really weird. Her like fake feud with the Chucky account where yeah. she was like, talking about how you know you that doll when you cause all that conversation um it's like you know this social media gay trope is such a played out one but i really do think they got like a so uh, like a grade a social media gay <laughs> to like run the accounts <laughs> for this like the intern or whatever i i will say this though the movie is getting great reviews so far. Oh, really? And I didn't I realize there were any out. Yeah, I saw Rotten Tomatoes today, and I had like a 97 or something. Oh, wow. Um, And it's from the creative team who did Malignant, which I loved. So like, right. I do think I in the spectrum from like Malignant to Ma, in terms of like these viral wackadoo horror movies that get a lot of like campy online buzz like Mm -hmm. i do think it's going to be closer to malignant that's good to know i wasn't sure if like people from malignant were involved which i so loved by the way or if it was just like james wan like they like slapped an executive producer sort of like credit on there from him or something Mm -hmm. like that to like get buzz um, but that's good to know. I mean, listen, I, I want the best for Allison Williams. I think she's yes. genuinely an amazing actor. I just finished a girls rewatch. Um, and just like, I personally identify as a Marnie. So I feel a little, uh, same, uh, you're sister character. community here. Two <laughs> yes. Marnies on a podcast. Yep. Yeah. Two Marnies on a podcast. And we really are a misunderstood, uh, community, but, um, oh yeah. anyways, I, I want the best for Allison Williams. I think the movie looks good, but to me just feel like this marketing cycle is like inescapable and it's like was just like when that first trailer dropped just like so inescapable and like ubiquitous and like literally everywhere I went people like had kind of just like quickly mobilized to start posting about Megan gay icon and like do their like little dance from the trailer and stuff like that there's just something really strange going on there um, yeah. I hope it ends soon i mean i guess it probably will once the movie comes out i will go and see it um on uh probably not on january 6th but no. sure because you'll be watching jen shaw jen yeah. yes yeah i know uh that's crazy um i don't know i really just need this whole thing to end and if there's a sequel i need them to fire whichever twitter gay is doing the marketing yeah and like we gotta we gotta we gotta come up with something else the one marketing thing i did think was like good maybe not the word but like gonzo maybe is better like i was watching football over the weekend and 
they had a bunch of like Megan dolls walk out yeah. onto the field as advertising. I'm like, okay, like this is at least like a little bit more interesting and like gets people asking questions more that's so than like an doll that's just hunty. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, and they did that for that movie Smile too, like back oh, in yes. um, September when like they had a bunch of people sit behind home plate at a Dodgers game and smile. Right, smiling. Like, right, right, right. like it's good marketing and like it really worked for Smile. Um, and I think this movie is going to be a big hit and like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to watch it, but I do have one last question. Mm-hmm. What, <laughs> I'm, how do I phrase this? Is Popcrave good? <laughs> like as source for good or like is it journalism good? I don't necessarily good, or... know what I mean by this. Okay. Like I I was thinking about this today because like I did not really know Popcrave did like interviews like this. I didn't know that they were doing like sponsored press for things. And then I realized I don't really know what Popcrave is beyond something that I actually get a distressing amount of my entertainment news from like i don't know if it's a person i don't know if it's a newsroom i don't know where it (laughs) lives outside of twitter it it's very mysterious to me and if you told me it was like russian bot stuff like i kind of would like believe it a little bit at this point totally agree with you there is something strange going on there i don't think that this interview thing is some thing that they do regularly i think it is just like one of those situations where again the, whoever the gay was that was doing the like marketing for this movie oh. decided they're like oh you know it's really popular with like gay guys online pop crave um and that's what led to this partnership oh. um i don't know who it is what it is i mean i do definitely like following them and again it is sort of just like something like they say it's like once you see it on pop crate that's how you know yeah it's verified true information <laughs> but i don't know who runs it how many people runs it how they're on top of everything um i don't know i but good follow yeah. i guess i could do with a few less uh chart position uh posts but uh see i uh, like i like those because i'm like a chart nerd but okay the ones i could do without and the ones that like raise my hackles every now and then are when they share that like some random musician you've absolutely never heard of in your life (laughs) has released a single and then they get like ratioed being like who is this but they keep doing it so i'm like how what is this like like maybe they're just getting paid to do it i guess right exactly Um, that might just be another like kind of more covert marketing opportunity uh for them i don't know really i should Uh, release i should pay them to release like crisis twink episodes or something (laughs) like look into it look i'll i'll see what i can do like some real guerrilla marketing that's Um, right they have to have some information about how you can reach them i also want to know there must be some kind of like investigative sort of deep dive into who they are what they are somewhere um oh yeah but i don't know myself there has to i like i I almost don't want to know because like i do like them as just like 
a little yellow circle that tells me what's going on at any given time, like in mm-hmm. Hollywood. Like I'm I'm kind of okay with my relationship with them, but like when they kind of step outside that niche, that's when I'm like, what is what's this entity that we're all kind of like taking for granted? And they are getting into politics. I saw some stuff about like Congress today from them. So like I don't know. Just we're always all these little situations to monitor and not enough time to actually do anything about them. <laughs> but um speaking of situations to monitor, right. I think we need to move on to this episode's cultural emergency. Yenny, what sure. are you rushing to the ER today? Today I am rushing into the ER, what I believe to be the first um, discourse, pop culture discourse of the new year, uh, which may or may not be an omen of things to come. And this is the fierce debate over the Rolling Stone 200 greatest singers. They use greatest and best um, if you're a bit of a semantics person uh, and you think that makes any difference. Greatest or best singers of all time list. at the end of the year, of course, we are all thinking about lists. Lists become something that are a big part of our, uh, you know, culture mm-hmm. as gay men, um, especially at the end of the year. And I feel like this list is, you know, okay, it's a pretty safe list, all things considered, but it still has caused some discourse for a few days. It's mobilized a lot of stands to take to outlets like Pop Crave, who are reporting on it, and get absolutely incensed about the results. Um, so I think we could just kind of talk about it and see, like, what's going on there. And, um, you know, if this sort of list, you know, touches all of the bases that we would like it to, and um, so forth. Did you, uh, What do you think of it? So... <laughs> You know, I I think 200 to start off with is a really big number. I think it's really hard to, like, create anything that's, like, wieldy and easy to actually rank when you're doing 200 artists at once. Yeah. That being said, so, like, a lot of the rankings are super arbitrary and, like, kind of, like, smack to me of like oh we forgot to put this person in here like let's just put them at like i i don't know 190 like i think brandy a woman commonly referred to as the vocal bible was at like 190 and that i was like that's so crazy to me and like sizza was above her and i'm like i love her i love sizza sizza should not be arguably not on this list alicia should not be on this list right like it seems like one of the criteria definitely is that like legacy is a big part who gets included in this and some people that are included i feel like are a little too early in their careers like maybe sizza although i guess she's actually kind of been around for a while she just hasn't put out that much yeah or just like people who are not (laughs) quite frankly like i think i wrote ariana was like insanely high which was kind of crazy to me because she has not seen interested in making music in like what yeah. like four years or something like that she's at 43 which to me i mean she's like obviously an incredible talent with some amazing music but like 
I don't know. She's like a TV judge now. That to me seems a little crazy. Um, But Billie Eilish being on the list at all, crazy to me. Not a vocalist. Not a vocalist. I mean, I think that, like you said, like it's like a big part of it is that like rankings don't or shouldn't matter. And like, quite frankly, don't materially affect the careers of any of these people any sort of way but it seemed to like inspire a lot of like umbrage just like everywhere for a few days already like yeah I don't know if it's just because there's nothing else like going on but um <laughs> excuse me uh, it certainly um yeah created a lot of uh discussion um and, I mean that's kind of the point of these sort of lists like even you know these kind of like so-called respectable lists like the pitchfork year end ones are like designed to get discussion going right and like some of their picks recently have been kind of meme like bunny is a rider being named the top song of 2021 which like mm-hmm. good song but like let's be a little <laughs> serious here like sure <laughs> i mean i like that song you want to know something interesting though i have a straight friend who was completely unfamiliar with caroline polchuk Mm-hmm. Had some interest in um, pop music, but not like an expert, like someone else might be. Yeah. Um, anyways, he had never heard of that song until Pitchfork put it at the top of his li- their list. Uh, and the first time he heard it, he didn't like it. Now, like, what is it, two years later? Absolutely obsessed. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's a good song, but Song of the Year is a little strange that i thought it was a little strange yeah that criteria seemed to exist like mostly just based on the justification that it was like mean to hell i guess and uh what was that like 2020 or something like that 2021 Uh, i think okay got it maybe yeah i don't remember yeah the rolling stone list like so like i think i mean we just kind of have to talk about rolling stone as a publication too like they used to be way more relevant like mm-hmm. there was a time i mean at that time is probably hasn't been since like the mid to late 90s but, like there was a time in which rolling stone was like the music publication and i would argue that pitchfork has leapt ahead of that yeah. in terms of cultural relevance and this list in general felt like a very craven piece of clickbait to drive traffic to a site that really desperately needs it because they're not doing any sort of like groundbreaking interviews in the way that they used to. They're not doing like political journalism or like true crime exposés in the same way that they used to. Like, right. it's well, did you see yeah. the pink comments on Instagram? Uh, yeah, I did. <laughs> like, I mean, it's, it's just such like a sour hater, though. Like, yeah, agreed. Also, I just didn't understand because she, like, said in her comments specifically, she's, like, pointing out how they're irrelevant now or they used to be a more kind of, like, literary um, publication, which is true. She's not wrong about that. And she said in her comment, you don't have to like me or my music. So I don't understand, like, (laughs) but then she, like, went on to, like, complain for so long. Like, what was she, like, taking umbrage with? Was it, like because of people she liked that weren't included in it? Or was she just mad at the sort of, like he said, like sort of like craven attempt to just like, drive up traffic? Or like, what was her problem? <laughs> I, I think it was because like, 
like I don't think she likes the idea of ranking people against each other and like she oh. wouldn't of course she wouldn't she wouldn't people. But, like I I don't I think she it's just a larger symptom of like artists really just not liking the press these days which is yeah like Pain. dumb but also when shit like this happens like I kind of get it like this I does feel it, super it's... arbitrary it's so undignified when someone like famous engages with this in any way. I feel like it's just like, oh. I don't know. Don't you have something better to do? Like, aren't you kind of embarrassed? Pink? Yeah, I'm a pink. Yeah. My former boss, now colleague, is like a pink super fan, which is very strange. And <laughs> I, do, I just don't yeah. get, I don't get like, her, her music is like, I don't know. Obviously not good. I don't get why she does acrobatics, like how it like relates conceptually to the rest of her art. There's no concept in her art, period. <laughs> no. Let's get that clear. Yeah. <laughs> like she just and I, you know, aerialists are very talented people. And she seems Absolutely. like she is good at being flung about in the air. She seems good at that. <laughs> but like it she is just doing shit to do shit. Like right. And her whole just like her whole like I don't know empowerment pop thing to me just seems so like Awful. insincere. Awful. It just seems like she or who knows who else like kind of saw like in the market some kind of like you know opportunity to kind of brand her as this. And I don't know. I hate her music. It, she has a few songs I do enjoy, but like they're all like way older and none of them are like the empowerment pop stuff but like right this, the sick thing about pink is all of her stuff is produced by like max martin and dr luke even though he's terrible but like it's all weapons grade catchy pop hooks yeah like they they're terrible and a lot of them are really terrible but they're all super catchy like i was at cvs earlier today picking up like tide pods and Perfect was on, a song I really cannot okay. stand, but, like, I kept, I was, like, humming it to myself when I was checking it out, it. because, of like, I just couldn't help myself. Oh, yeah. I mean, no. I guess, like, what was that? Just Like a Pill, is that one? That's a good yeah. one. And I, like, um, I, like, Get the Party knew? Started. Oh, yeah, oh, Who yeah, Knew's Good. Right. That was the first one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it, she's yeah. got some good I ones. Have this, I have this memory. This is a little off topic, but it is about pain. I have this memory that is so vivid in my head of when I was young seeing Pink on some kind of night, like late night show um, and it was kind of in the mid 2000s so homophobia was still kind of like okay and I swear to god that she said something about marriage being between a man and a woman <laughs> and so when she started <laughs> when she started rebranding as this like empowerment pop person and no. I was like a teenager I was like this is so rich because I remember when you did that because at a young age, I kind of like internalized it a little bit and I've been trying to find it on the internet and whatever PR agency does her work has completely scrubbed it from the internet. But I really feel strongly in my heart of hearts that it was her and not somebody else who's on this late night show being, you know, homophobic in a way that was kind of acceptable in the mid aughts So if anyone has any information... I need to figure out that's <laughs> what's so going on here. Because, <laughs> like, to me, like these days, pink is like 
a legacy pride performer. Yes. Yeah, exactly. She, she, I think she changed her mind. That's okay. It's okay to change your mind, but I swear to God this happened and it's just been scrubbed entirely from the internet, but I swear to God. If you want to find a great curio of like pop star homophobia from that time period, um, there is a video online of at the VMAs post like Britney, Christina, Madonna kiss. I think it's like 2002, 2003. There's a video of Beyonce saying, oh, I thought that was disgusting. And like you <laughs> and people need to go find that because like it's it's perfect. And it was common. Like people did think it was disgusting. It's not. Yeah. But like, I mean, you know, and people evolve and change, but like it is more, you know, People are not born like gay advocates and divas are not like Cher wasn't. Cher Cher had a tough time. But can I ask you a question? Because this list is very unwieldy and I'm definitely missing people. Is Pink even on this list? She's not on the list. I'm not sure if that's why she's angry, but I mean, it must be, right? Like what else would she have going on? Also, you want to know who's not on this list, speaking of, Cher, which is also kind of crazy. That is crazy. Uh, yeah, there were a few weird... Sorry, go on. Well, I was going to ask, like, talk about emissions. As a Canadian, how did you feel about Celine Dion not being on this? That is crazy to me. I don't think... I don't necessarily have, like, a strong connection to Lynn, but... I mean, she just, like, represents a certain kind of, like, schmaltzy sort of, like, uh, it seems like a crazy oversight to me, but I wonder, it seems like the people, my understanding is that the people who voted on it were staff and contributors, so it might just be some kind of, like, I don't know, like, cultural taste um, sort of thing. Sure. Um, Have you ever read the third book about Celine Dion? I have not. It's really good. It's about her album. Um, uh, what's it called? All About Love or something like that? Yes, I and know the one you're talking someone, about. Uh, it's someone famous, Carl something, that music journalist. What's his name? He wrote it. Maybe um, I'm wrong. Actually, I don't want to go on record and say that. Okay. But <laughs> anyways, it's like a really good book. It's like a like essay length book about this music journalist who turned his nose up at Celine Dion and he kind of like uses like, um, you know, social uh sociology ideas about like you know cultural capital and stuff to like look into like why certain people love Celine Dion and why certain people like absolutely hate her he listens to like an insane amount of her music he goes to her Vegas residency several times um and it's really good high recommendation and it's like a read in one sitting sort of book um anyway Celine Dion being on it not weird something that also caused a lot of conversation was Taylor being at 102. Yeah. Uh, people were incensed about her being above um, Kelly Clarkson, Carrie Underwood, Alicia Keys. Above, um, I mean, she is above Alicia Keys. But like, the, <laughs> she, I mean, she's above like Karen Carpenter. She's above Lana. She's above like all, I mean, in the at 101 is Gladys Knight. So like, that's kind yeah. of the tier that Taylor's in, <laughs> which is crazy to me. And like, I saw that like Rolling Stone put out a statement that's like, oh, he, you know, it's not just the singers, it's the performance, it's the legacy. Right. Like, well, hey, say that because that's not what it like sounds like here. You said singers, singers sing. Like sure. we're talking about singing and vocals and 
that sort of thing here. Like when you say that word and I, that was disingenuous. I, and, I like, also, if you're going on that, sorry, I'm on like a oh, oh, good. tirade here now. Cause like, I'm, I'm actually mad about Celine Dion. Like I'm not, <laughs> I, I don't have like strong feelings about her one way or the other, but like, I appreciate her. And I do really like some of her music. Like the vocals are undeniable performance undeniable and she literally invented like the pop star vegas residency like that's impactful absolutely i don't get it i agree yes there definitely needs to be some recognition for technical skill like that um and obviously someone like saline has more than just that but ultimately i kind of feel like also that tweet that they said about um this is the greatest singers list, not the greatest voices list. Talent is impressive. Genius is transcendent is in the introduction to the list. I don't know if they added it in post or whatever yeah. after the controversy, but they did clarify somewhere in that 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 was for. Um, but I don't know. I think, I mean, I don't think I'm a bit of a Swifty quite quickly, even though oh, I do not like Taylor as a person. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. She has a lot of personality to her voice. I find like... I like her voice. Like, again, it's like, obviously like a pretty polarizing sort of um, style. People either like really love it or hate it. And like, I don't know, to me, sure, she's not as technically strong as someone like Kelly Clarkson or like Carrie Underwood or so forth. But I don't know, those people to me more seem kind of like ciphers for like other people's music. I kind of like Taylor because she just kind of like brings so much like attitude and like personality to it Um, yeah like you you listen to like um people do tailored karaoke yeah and it sounds by and large pretty terrible and you realize that a lot of it is because she brings so much of herself to the songs and I guess that's what a good performer does and like her I mean she is such a good songwriter that it just sounds weird for other people to sing her songs in a way Right. But like, so I get that on that criteria. And like, I just feel like, I don't know, talent, not entirely, but at least like mostly is just like what something you're born with when it comes to singing. Yeah. And it's just like, I don't know, like, good for you if you have it. I mean, it's obviously an amazing thing to behold when it's like in the right hands, but I don't know. I mean, there's singers who are like, not good singers on here. Neil Young's on here, who I feel like to me is kind of like the like famously bad singer who is actually like an amazing singer, like full of affect. Yeah. Um, or like Bob Dylan's kind of in the same boat yes. too. Like yeah, he's yeah, yeah. really high up on this list. And like right. As he should not a great he has he's a very distinct vocalist and like brings so much of himself to it, which makes sense, I guess. But like I think I mean the problem with doing this in a list format is placement is so like relational to other placements that like you see these names next to each other and you're like oh that's so weird that like Rihanna is like a step above Roy Orbison when they're like (laughs) not really like if we're comparing like vocal talents and stylings I, I mean I would put Roy Orbison above Rihanna and like it's just weird to have those two like in conversation with each other kind of i well gaga also is like quite high she's higher than like kate bush and bjork which is kind of crazy to me i mean unpopular i I would say bjork is above gaga but gaga is definitely above kate bush really 
Interesting. Yeah, I think so. I, I mean, I'm a big Kate Bush fan. So oh, like, it's me too. Just, yeah, me too. Yeah. But like, I think I just feel like, uh, okay. I mean, like any gay man, Gaga is obviously a part of my life. Even mm-hmm. though I'm not a little monster, uh, not a card carrying little monster, I listen to all her albums. I like her music. Um, I don't think I get it. Maybe in the same way that a lot of other people are, but uh, people do. But to me, she just seems like a like you know, she's pastiche of other people. Then like to me, it's strange to put her that high on the list, like above again somebody like I don't know Karen Carpenter. Which is crazy oh, yeah. to me. It's that, like <laughs> Karen Carpenter was so low on this list. Like I horrible. I would have put her in my top twenty probably. Like if oh yeah. If you asked me to like rearrange this list of two hundred people, like she would be in my top twenty. Yes. But to this list credit though, I actually did like most of the choices, and there weren't that many too. omissions that were weird. Like I also they did a really good job of picking voices from all over the world and Mm -hmm. like i don't mean that like a you know like just trying to like check boxes and stuff like this was a very well thought out list with some like real trailblazers in music from all over the place which like i I don't think the rolling stone of 10 years ago would have done that no um interesting i will say is that there are aren't very many rappers on this list did you notice that yeah like lauren hill was on it i saw right Um, no nikki and i that to me is kind of strange like yeah because i thought i would have seen some like barb related like um anger (laughs) somewhere about it but the barbs are kind of like laying low right now from what i can tell (laughs) it's not a good time to be a barb uh, (laughs) um (laughs) No Kanye, which, I mean, I understand why. I mean, moving forward, probably that will be the case for a lot of things because he's, like, shot himself in the foot so horribly. But, I mean, I mean, he he obviously has, like, a very distinct and, like, influential, like, flow and, like, personality to his vocals. Um, Not that I think he should necessarily be (laughs) included or rewarded in any way moving forward, but... I mean, it's just, like, weird to me how much of it seems like, like, I don't know, like, no Kendrick, no, like, yeah, it's a little strange. And, like, I guess, like, I don't know, maybe it's, like, a semantics thing. Like, there's a difference between, like, singing and rapping, I guess. But, like, if you're going to, like, issue that disclaimer at the beginning about, like, singing's not just about your voice or whatever, then I'm, like, yeah, there could have been more room here for right. for that for that genre agreed but like i mean it did that aside like i do think like most genres are pretty well represented here like there's no recency bias and there's definitely no like rockist bias like i remember yes. i guess it's been 15 years ago at this point but like well i was on a flight one time and i bought at like a hudson news the Rolling Stone 500's greatest songs of all time, like collector's edition magazine. And all the songs were from like 1960 to 1985. And they were all by like, you know, Rolling Stones, like white rock bands. So it is cool that they have like contributors actually like bringing in some like real perspective. Like it's not just like a rock centric thing anymore. Cause that is like Rolling Stone's like 
reputation. They're like the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, like dinosaur tier, um, mm-hmm. like cultural institution. So, right. Were there any snubs that you may know of that maybe were a little less obvious that you felt should be included uh, on it? Please correct me if I'm wrong and I just missed her, but I didn't see Fiona Apple on this list. She is on there. She's on, she's 111, which to me I okay. was a little low because I loved her. Then that would have been my snub, but like I just missed it. Yeah, I just, no, she's like my favorite favorite and like you i think like definitely should have been higher but like i just i guess arguing about like ranking is so silly but Uh what about you like what was your big snub i thought it was kind of crazy that karen dalton didn't make the list yeah especially because i feel like there's been so much interest in her like her albums just got like reissued like last year i think there was a documentary she and like a lot of those freak folk people didn't make it uh, or just like the 70s folk. I wanted to see Judy Sill, Vashti yeah. Bunyan, uh, Laura Nero, who I don't know if she's actually that influential, but she's one of my favorites. Laura Nero w- should have been on this list. Right. Like, um, at least someone from that scene. Because like yes. they, they got like the like psychedelic... Well, Graham Parsons wasn't on this list. That was kind of weird, I guess. But like they got like the psychedelic country freak folk people like like emmy lou was on here and like yes. a few other people of that ilk which i thought was correct but like yeah weird to not have someone like lauren nero or i i mean judy sell oh god like any of those people would have been perfect actually i also feel like a big person right now in indie music who is kind of snubbed is adrian lanker but maybe it's a little early in her career you don't like that new Big Thief album, I think, right? No. This is a Big Thief hater podcast. We're not, what? we don't, we don't support Adrian Lenker here. I do like Why? that one song. I just, I don't get it. I like, I have listened to every single one of their albums all the way through. And it just like, it doesn't click for me. Like there are some songs I like though. Like I was driving around over the holidays listening to, um, serious xmu like their like college radio station and like they kept playing um i think the song's called simulation swarm oh yeah yeah. i like that but like i just find it so like um i don't know i just don't i don't care for it like i i I, it just doesn't hit like sometimes it just doesn't like but I know I, I'm in the minority on that. I'm yeah. in the minority on like I, like black country new road and like a lot of the more like I don't like kind of stuff. But like I don't know, it's yeah, not, not into it. Interesting. I mean, Big Thief. I feel like their early albums have a few like really high highs and like a lot of boring stuff. The new one, I feel like, is just like so listenable. Even mm-hmm. so long, I love it. I mean, I hope someday you'll uh, come around. But if you don't, it is what it is. Maybe I'll like. I don't know maybe I'll come around like I literally every guy I have gone out with for the past six months has been a ginormous big thief head and I'm like <laughs> As one of these be. days like I'm just gonna just have to like pretend to like this so like, we can, like just <laughs> move forward but like I um yeah it definitely I mean like I guess like they really did a good job avoiding recency bias here for the most part except for mm-hmm. people like Billie Eilish but Eilish I mean, really, yeah. was there any placement that was especially crazy to you or just like a relational like like oh these two people are really weird next to each other mm, yeah good question I don't know I will say Adele at 22 
was kind of funny to me. I mean, I like Adele. Obviously, she's incredibly talented. And, like, we've all kind of rallied behind her as being sort of, like, the new pop, like, preeminent, like, pop vocalist or whatever. But I don't know. I kind of felt like at that point in the list, they were getting a little and it kind of seemed like they were just kind of doing what they thought they should be doing she's like yeah. the platonic ideal of like a good voice um i don't know like uh who else Joni, i personally would have put higher because i really love her um you know yeah. and i think she's like an interesting sort of like um case study i guess we have of how like somebody has like changed with like age and like smoking habits and stuff like that yeah um yeah, I don't that know. was what exactly my crazy one. Actually, was Joni yeah. seeing Joni at fifty, which too low, and then Rod Stewart at forty nine was oh, that's fucked wild up. I didn't know that. To me. <laughs> wild, but I mean, it was a that like. Hold on, let me scroll down really quick. Yeah, that like five singer run is actually pretty good for the most part because it's joni into rod stewart into tony braxton into linda rodstadt my queen into mavis <laughs> staples into right. ella fitzgerald that's pretty good like that's if you take rod stewart out of there kind of hard to argue with that ranking almost even though it's sure. like are maybe 10 spots too low but Rod Stewart being in the top 50 above Joni Mitchell is so crazy to me. Like, they're they're entering to the dad readership yeah. there. I don't know how else, to, or the maybe even. Uh, yeah, that is really weird. It is weird. Uh, and like nothing against Rod Stewart. Like I, I find him, I think he has like a really pleasant voice, just not good songs. But like. He, yeah, he, there's a, <laughs> as a quick aside. There's a realtor here named Rod Keeler, and he's mm-hmm. a Rod Stewart um, impersonator. Um, wow. So there's a, and he's like really successful. So he's on, uh, you know, benches and posters every, or billboards rather, and uh, everything. Anyways, that's the only thing I can that's, think of. Uh, <laughs> that's I'll so send funny. you a photo of him. It's extremely funny. Oh my um, God, please. Yeah. Does he do it in like the commercials and stuff? Like, I don't know if I've ads? seen a commercial. I've just seen I've just seen like the Remax like yeah. ads, which are like inescapable. He seems like to be quite successful. Um, I mean, is if there he's, any- I feel like you have to be successful first, and then you get to brand yourself like that. Yes, agreed. Yeah. Uh, my dad thinks he's like a total joke. Uh, he yeah. it makes him really mad just to see <laughs> this guy. Is there anyone who you think is like a vocalist? like right now or maybe even from the past who like you would put on your personal list just based on like merit rather than um you know thinking about like cultural influence or like legacy or anything like that oh gosh like someone who wasn't on this list yeah and that like quite frankly doesn't deserve to be on this list but who you think has like a great voice just like based on like merit alone for instance, I'll tell you yeah. mine. Uh, the vocalist I like right now, probably the most, is Meg Grammy from U.S. Girls. Um, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's, like, just, I think, so dynamic, can just, like, work in any kind of genre, has just, like, this most, like, versatile, like, kind of, like, sweet, but also kind of, like, dark voice that's never just, like, cloying. I don't know. To me, she's somebody she's like the most exciting 
new, not that new, I guess, indie boys. Um, I, I get like what you're, I get it's, what you're saying though. Like, yeah. I, she does have such she she's so good at like emotions in her vocals, which I yes. think is not like in like the style of like alt rock that she makes is kind of hard to find. And you know, actually, my pick for this. I'll go with another Canadian alt rock person. I would pick Emily go. Haynes from Metric. Oh yeah, sweet. I had a big, big Metric phase uh, yeah. as a teenager, as as everyone does here. Quite frankly, Metric stars, Broken Social Scene. Uh, who else? Feist. Uh, yeah. yeah, Feist also would be on too for me. Like, yeah, I was. I I could have seen her on this top two hundred too. Like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. She kind but, of has disappeared for the last little while. I feel like yeah, she hasn't released in I think six or seven years now. Since Metals was that the last one? No, there was one after Metals. But oh, okay, I don't know. That one wasn't kind of more inessential. Um, the other person who I would maybe put up. Why can't I? Okay, my Spotify is not working right now. Um, <laughs> but the other person I would put on is Perfume Genius. Oh yeah, yes. Also, someone Love who's him. just like perfect voice, um, completely unique. Like delivers everything. Like perfect. I don't know. Just I'm not being very articulate about that, but like, there's just something yeah. about his voice that like really hits you so powerfully. Yeah, Feist's last album was in 2017. Pleasure. Oh, okay, interesting. Yeah, I don't think I heard that one. Um, but yeah, yes, Love for Freedom Genius. Very dynamic. Can work in all kinds of tempos. Yeah. Last album didn't do much for me, but I only listened to it once. Um, yeah, I don't know. Do you have any closing thoughts on the list before we move to our final segment? Not really. Just that people should not maybe be so invested in these things because it really is not particularly scientific. And yeah. How does it, it shouldn't affect people too much. It's mostly just like a fun thing to talk about with your friends and getting incensed over it is just um, stupid. Yeah, <laughs> like the, the, the damage that Stan culture has done on media literacy will yes. be studied by scientists. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's bad. It's really it's bad. bad. <laughs> yeah. But speaking of stands, we do have to move on to our final segment, Tear the oh, Community I'm so Apart. So the rules of this game. Uh, well, it's we've done a lot of it today, <laughs> arguably. Yeah. Like the pink, pink, I'm ready to keep going. Pink's fans are going to be so pissed with us That's today. Right. My but, boss um... is going to uh, call me <laughs> to her office. Uh... <laughs> um, so the rules of Tear the Community Apart are very simple. I've picked two songs and they're going to tell me which one is better. Okay. So the songs I've picked today are two of last year's biggest alt rock hits. Okay. From two alt girlies, universally beloved, um, very different styles of music. One is working sort of a post Radiohead math rock kind of vibe. And the okay. other one is doing Laurel Canyon, folk, psychedelia, both of them inarguably serving Kanto 
Um, wow. So your the choice is yours. Which song is better? Midnight Sun by Nila Yanya or Grapevine by Wayne's Blood? Ooh, I like the Wise Blood album better, but again, it pains me to do that to Nilifer. However, I liked her last album more than the one this year. I kind of <laughs> miss that sort of poppy sound for her. Yeah. And I hope she kind of goes back to it a bit. So definitely, I would say Wise Blood. Okay. I respect that choice. Like, I think out of these two, I would also pick Grapevine. I am, mm-hmm. to me, like, the the two Nilfer albums are the exact same level of good. I kind of, okay. like, I will, I do agree with you that, like, the sound on the second album is a little bit more what, like, a lot of people are doing right now. It's just less my thing. However, I do really like it. But if I'm thinking about her whole, albeit small, catalog so far, I prefer her last album, I think. Mm-hmm. And that's why I can't. And Midnight is not my favorite song on that album anyways. Uh, so, yeah. What is yours? Um, is it called Shameless or Painless? One's the name of the oh. album, one's the name of the song, but they're both the same I mix, I mix those. I'm so bad with song titles, like, as listeners of this podcast know. Um, it and is... Yeah, it's Shameless. Shameless is Shameless. the song. Okay. Painless that's is my the favorite album. song. That's my favorite song. A great, album. yeah, that's a good yeah. one. Uh-huh. I think mine is Stabilize off of... Oh, also really good. Yeah, That's yeah. the one that feels very, like, first album to me, too. Like... yeah. But yeah, I I really like her. Like it took me a while to get into that first album, but like once I did, it really like hits you. I yeah. What I is it is wise blood or ways blood? I always say ways wise. Blood, like, okay, it is why okay, well now I know. Apparently, so. apparently it's like from a Flannery O'Connor story. Yeah, there was some quote from a Flannery O'Connor story, and she it was like wise blood from the quote why. Uh, w-i-s-e and then she changed it to w-e-y-e-s okay i'm never gonna forget it now because i've read that (laughs) book um it's and it's a really good movie too um okay if people haven't seen it well it's called wise but it's the last movie john houston ever directed and it was on criterion for a really long time and i don't know if it's but people should check that out it's very sweet Um, i'm going to wise blood's music is way more immediate for me but i love that kind of like lush like 70s pop production i don't know i mean like in in the same way i love like the carpenters like it just like hits your brain so lovingly that's a weird word but like you know what i mean like it just it it it, it really is just so pleasurable to listen to her stuff and grapevine is like a gorgeous song Absolutely. The 70s is also probably, I would say, like, yeah, my favorite music decade. I just mm-hmm. think that the, like, pop and folk that came out there are just so, just such an amazing thing. And Wise Blood, I think, is so cool because it's, like you said, just, it's, like, great 70s production, but she never really sounds like a, like, tribute act or, like, some kind of, like, overly nostalgic sort of thing. I think she's doing something that's, like, firmly very much herself. Um and it just i don't know she avoids the sort of corniness of doing some kind of like you know throwback retro kind of thing i i really love her and i'm excited for uh 
the last part of the supposed trilogy that she's putting out. Yeah, I hope the new one. I mean that we have a new one, but like I hope the next part of the trilogy comes out a little sooner than this yes. one did. Like it didn't really feel like three years in between albums, but like she came back and the album, I think the album's only what, like eight to 10 songs. Yeah. 10 right. songs. Like it's, you just want more from her. I don't know. Yeah, I agree. And I, yeah, I think the project should probably wrap up soon, but I mean, yeah, she, she can do what she wants, I guess. When they're <laughs> this good, like they're, I, I, you just can't get mad at it. And like, I yeah. really would like people to go back and listen to front row seat to earth sometime soon too, because like, I do kind of feel like that album gets lost in the shuffle a little bit because Titanic Rising is so good and the mm-hmm. new one is so good. But Front Row Seat to Earth still might be my favorite of hers, actually. Interesting. It's, it's I, really, really good. I'm not that familiar with that. I will listen to it after this. It's, I, it definitely is the most 70s tribute of the three okay so, interesting. but like still perfect like it, it's like it is new it sounds novel and it's not just like karaoke but it's a lot more like 70s traditionalist pop than the other two ones are like the other two ones have more of like a synth element like i don't know i, I mean she's almost doing like 80s pop a little bit on and in the darkness hearts aglow yeah like something right. like twin flame twin flame be, yeah <laughs> which is another like maybe my favorite song on the album like but like yeah, that could be so. like that could be like a bangles b-side like it's it's good but right, wow I hear it. we covered <laughs> a lot of ground today sure and did we i mean this is a mega mega size episode <laughs> too so I, we're we, gonna last a long time <laughs> look three days in 2023 a lot happened there was much to discuss um so cultures in crisis already and i could not think of a better person than you to tackle it with me thank uh, you so much for being here that's sweet. thank you so much for having me i had so much fun uh my first time doing something like this uh yeah it was great thanks so who much. would have I'm ever known a, a natural <laughs> um if you would like to be found on social media where can people find you sure uh you can on twitter at yanit uh so it's at g-i-a-n-n-i-t uh or i guess instagram if you would like uh g-t-s-o-u-r-a-s um yeah that's about it (laughs) all right great um you can find me on twitter at fk pigs with a z on Instagram at Drew Haskins with Z's and follow at Crisis Swing Pod on Twitter and Instagram for direct updates from the podcast. Also, for just a reminder for people who are listening to Girls Room, my um, Spotify live now moving to just like a regular podcast with Julia Gray that recaps girls from the very beginning. We have our own separate feed called girls room it's not going to be on crisis twink anymore so please go migrate over to that uh we have a new episode coming out this week kicking off season three with the costume designer and stylist for the show so we're going to be doing a very special interview with her about 
designing clothes for Hannah Horvath. I am oh, so amazing. thrilled to be doing it. So <laughs> everyone, I think that's going to be out on either Friday or Monday, if you're listening to this on Wednesday the 4th. So otherwise, I'll be posting in places. But get jazz for that. Thank you again, Yanni. This was so much fun. Right, bye. Yes, so much fun. I had the best time. <laughs> bye. Like what you just heard? Go to the show notes and whatever podcast app you're listening to this on and click the donation link.